Dear listeners, welcome to Faces of Digital Health, a podcast about digital health and how healthcare systems around the world adopt technology with me, Tiasha Zait. Investments in digital health have been steadily rising for the last seven years. If $6.2 billion were invested in digital health startups in 2015, 2022 saw 44 billion US dollars raised according to Startup Health. Startup Health is a US-based organization supporting digital health innovators across the world and globally spreading optimism about the potential of technology in healthcare. The vision that drives that optimism is the hope that we can bring access to healthcare to everyone in the world that we can beat cancer and cure diseases such as diabetes or Alzheimer's. That vision is important because healthcare innovation is not for the faint-hearted and as health indicators currently show, life expectancy and health are worsening across the world, says co-founder and president of Startup Health, Unity Stokes. The market is maturing, he says, which is also seen in the number of companies that attract large investments. While the total amount of investments has been increasing for several years, the number of companies that are invested in is staying roughly the same. So it's just that some companies are maturing and raising higher amounts of funding. In today's discussion, you will hear Unity talk about his reflection of startup health which is already 11 years old. He also talks about the global expansion of the organization, why we need to think about healthcare innovation less locally but more globally, and also why we still need much more investments in the future. Enjoy the show, and if you like what you hear, do subscribe to the show to be notified about next episodes automatically. And if you want to go down the memory lane of digital health and startup health, you can also tune in to the interview I had with Unity in 2017. Find the link in the show notes. Now let's hear what startup health is up to in 2022. Unity, hi and welcome to the show again. After I think five years, you were actually the third guest on this podcast and we explained where your name comes from on that show. I went to listen to it again. So, you know, if people are curious enough, they can go check that out. I'm going to add the link to that discussion there. But it, it has an interesting story. Let me just put it that way. Startup Health is uh, 11 years old. You started it in 2011. And ever since, you've invested in over 400 companies across 27 uh, countries. So, Let's start with just a brief reflections. How do you observe the past 11 years looking back? What a wild 11 years. In some ways, I feel like things are moving very quickly. And in other ways, I feel like they're moving way too slow. We set out a decade ago to invest in a thousand companies. We've invested in about 407. That being said, There's this entire ecosystem that is way bigger than startup help. So it's really exciting to see 40 or 50 digital health innovation hubs around the world. It's exciting to see amazing entrepreneurs coming from so many countries around the world. 
So I feel like there's a, been a tremendous amount of progress and a big part of our mission is deeply enrooted, which is to foster ecosystem, to inspire action, to really put a concerted global effort on health innovation. So I'm really proud of what we've accomplished so far, but I also know that we have decades of work before us still to really achieve what we're trying to achieve, which is impact ultimately on billions of people's health and wellness. What's happening fast and what's happening slowly? You mentioned that earlier, that you wish some things would happen faster. Yeah, I, I think I'd like to see more of the silos break down. I'd like to see more collaboration between industry um, and startups. I'd also like to see more collaboration between other industries collaborating together on things that impact health and, and wellness and healthcare, climate, food, water, healthcare, like they're all interconnected in, in so many ways. So I feel like there's a lot of work to do in terms of breaking down silos. I feel like there's a lot of work to do in terms of shifting the lens to global health in terms of the economic opportunity and the investment opportunities that exist globally, because I think that will accelerate impact. But at the same time, we've seen tremendous speed and, and progress with how data is being leveraged, how new technologies like VR or old technologies like telehealth and virtual care are now actually being used and adopted, not just by the industry, clinicians, but also by patients, by consumers. So in the post-COVID world, we've seen a real acceleration of the adoption of a lot of innovation. There were many years, the first many years of startup health where we were talking about technology, we were inventing technology, we were bringing technology to market, but it wasn't being used. It wasn't being adopted. So in the past 24 to 36 months, we've really seen that shift in really fast ways. You mentioned a, a really good point, and that is how different industries and different factors impact health in the end. So environment, um, transport, um, everything uh, else. To, to which extent do you see your role as startup health in just bridging the gap between all these um, sectors? So, you know, are you uh, connecting to uh, investors or just people from, from other industries? When you started this, uh, describing that, I was actually thinking that you're just going to limit yourself to the connection between social care and healthcare because they're really closely connected and there's still just such a gap between the information that's uh, in the um, social environment and the impact that it has on, on healthcare. One of the, the philosophies that I personally um, have adopted is I, I, I think of it, the bumper sticker would be think globally, act globally. And I believe with what we're trying to do at Startup Health around the construct of achieving health moonshots, these are big global health challenges that can impact billions of people. 
we are now focused on a family of 14 global health moonshots. They're very interconnected. So these are things like access to care to every human on earth, focusing on women's health, children's health, nutrition and fitness, brain health, mental health and happiness, longevity. They're all interconnected. But I, the whole frame of a health moonshot is very global in a sense, not worldly global, but holistically global in that we believe that to solve any of these big macro challenges, the same way NASA in the original moonshot to take a person to the moon, it was really 20,000 companies and 400,000 people all achieving that singular mission. There were companies focused on the rocket. There were fun companies focused on fuel design and technologies. There were companies focused on material design in the spacesuits. There were companies focused on the food. So as you deconstruct any of these health moonshots, there really is a holistic approach to ending diabetes. Yes, there's the medicines, but there's also other types of innovation that go into achieving something like the end of type 1 diabetes. There's also all the things wrapped around that, supporting the caregivers, supporting the families, leveraging data. So we have a very holistic view, and I think that gives us an opportunity to think longer term about other elements that impact both global health, but also individual health or regional health or health down to the individual. Water. We've seen this as a global crisis, but we've seen it here in the United States in, in cities around the world, uh, around the, the country where there's dirty water, dangerous water that impacts all sorts of other health issues. We could say the same things about food. We're seeing the mental health crisis coming out of COVID from all ages. We're seeing issues like loneliness impact health. So it's... As we know, health is so complex, it's also universal. So we believe with this macro lens of health moonshot thinking, we can then support thousands of innovators, not any one technology or any one solution or any one business model or even any one region, but a more holistic approach is needed to really cracking the code and, and making on solving some of these big health challenges. You actually got me thinking when talking about moonshots, um, about how is health globally improving or worsening? Because when you started in 2011, uh, you had 10 moonshots. Now you actually expanded that to 14. So what does that indicate? Is it that the challenges are increasing or do the do some companies not fit in the existing moonshots, you know, before the last four that you added? Yeah, I, one day I envision hundreds of health moonshots because all it is a framing opportunity to organize around a, a very specific theme. So our our two most recent health moonshots are type 1 diabetes and Alzheimer's, which, by the way, have some links and connections even there. So it's more a function of we can't do everything at once. And I'm actually really excited that we're expanding our moonshots. And what we're trying to do now is use health moonshot framework 
to really start to scale and go deep into dedicated health moonshots where we're building networks that are focused just on that theme, where we're building communities of investors, customers, entrepreneurs, and innovators just on those specific themes. So I see it really as infinite to a certain extent, but we can't do everything at, at once. So we've tried to be very thoughtful in how we're rolling these out and focusing in areas where we know the market's ready or where we know the market uh, can make significant impact or speed up progress right now. So that's how we've rolled these out. But we know we have a lot of work to do. For example, we don't have a moonshot focused just on water. We have a macro moonshot around nutrition and, and fitness. But there could be dozens of moonshots just within that frame, including one focused on, on water. Mm -hmm. So for those that are maybe not uh, as familiar with uh, startup health, um, does it mean, does that, what you just mentioned, mean that basically companies that fit under Moonshot are somehow um, connected amongst each other? Are you just, you know, uh, working on any target act uh, connections between them? We like to say we're a global, building a global army of health transformers. So we talked a little bit about the need to break down the silos, right? So we believe that the platform of Startup Health, one of the great value propositions that, that we serve is it unites the networks. It unites the communities of entrepreneurs. And each of, each of the health moonshots are, are focused, dedicated efforts, but they're also very interconnected. And we see a big opportunity to learn about what's going on in, in diabetes and share that innovation with Alzheimer's or with cancer or with nutrition or even take some of the macro health moonshots around, for example, cost to zero, which is really around business model innovation. That type of innovation can spread throughout all of our health moonshots. So we have multiple funds that we use to then invest in health transformers. So our main fund is called the Startup Health uh, Moonshot Impact Fund. It is an all-access fund. It invests across all of our moonshots. But we're now rolling out dedicated funds. So a fund just focused on Alzheimer's innovation, a fund just focused on type 1 diabetes, a, a other funds that will focus just on diabetes that includes type 2, for example. But we have an opportunity to go deep and build deep networks and areas of focus, but make sure that the overarching platform, the overarching community is connected. Because we see that is where the silos break down, the knowledge transfer happens, the data starts to share more quickly. So we believe it really must be integrated to speed up innovation cycles. What would you say that are some of the biggest successes that Startup Health has, has had so far? So we have 407 companies we've invested in, about a thousand founders in the past decade or so. 
We have companies that are, have scaled very quickly in our portfolio, like Devoted Health and City Block and Verda. And these are big unicorn companies that have multi-billion dollar valuations and in some cases, thousands of employees and serve thousands or, or tens of thousands of patients. But we also have upstarts, seed companies, two people in a garage or, or a lab just getting started. And I think that's really significant because we're really seeing innovation happen across multiple stages. So the way that we measure our success is really a double bottom line focus. So what that means is there's, we must show financial uh, and, and economic returns because we believe that by proving to the market that there's an investment opportunity here, that there's financial reward and gain that can happen, it will actually accelerate further investment and further commercial opportunity and thus speed up the second part of double bottom line, which is really about value creation around impact. So those are people's lives. Those are moving the dial on health, wellness, and things within the healthcare system globally that will improve people's health and well-being and, and hopefully happiness and, and longevity. So we measure it across those metrics. There are specific KPIs that we also align to the sustainable development goals, number three, around health and well-being. But longer term, our true mission is to solve and achieve these very specific health moonshots that we think are very transformative in many ways. And very lofty goals, ending cancer, ending diabetes, extending healthy life by 50 years for every human on earth. These are extraordinary leap goals. Uh, but even if we make a dent in them, we know we can make a lot of progress in, in really improving people's lives. You mentioned something a, a minute ago that I think is very significant, which is sadly we're seeing a lot of the health metrics go in reverse. They're actually getting worse over the past few years. Now, some of this is brought on by the global pandemic, of course, but life expectancies are going down in many countries. But we believe that is hopefully a temporary trend and we can reverse these by focusing on moonshot thinking and really learning from many of the challenges of, of the past years and, and trying to reverse those trends moving forward at global scale. Given that you have a global focus and also the audience of this podcast is global, uh, I'm really curious to, see, uh, to hear from you. How are you approaching the global expansion, the global support to startups from various parts of the world? Because as I mentioned earlier, I think you currently have startups from around 27 countries, uh, the majority of companies still come from the U.S., you know, so obviously you're based in the U.S. and a lot of uh, events are happening in the U.S., so uh, your major events are also very U.S. focused. So how are you, where do you see the challenges in really going global? We've always 
considered our health moonshots to be global. That being said, to date, we've got about 80% of our portfolio or investments are U.S., based. So 20% internationally. I would like to see that in the over the coming next couple of years be more of 50-50. I'd like to see, uh, and we are expanding globally in terms of our investments. To a certain extent, I think in the post-COVID world, there's a real opportunity to, to focus startup health more globally in terms of leveraging virtual collaboration. The big challenges have always been, how do you bring together innovators from all over the world in the physical real world? It's expensive to do that. It's challenging to fly people around the world, especially in a global pandemic. So what we've really leaned into is focusing more of our program and connectivities, leveraging virtual tools and technology. I think there's a great opportunity with things like blockchain for data sharing to and leveraging Web3 and the future innovations that are coming more broadly to the internet to accelerate global collaboration among our health transformers. Challenges are the same challenges I think any global company experiences. How do you work across time zones? How do you work across different language uh, barriers? How do you work across different cultural barriers? And even investing is challenging globally. It's a lot easier to make investments in companies that are just in one country when you've got to deal with different paperwork or, or different diligence structures across different regions that can be time consuming, that can be expensive. So what we try to do is standardize everything, streamline everything and create opportunities that are global. So we have two global festivals a year that are based in the U.S. and we invite people from all over the world to be there. But we're now doing more regional programming as well in different countries in Europe, in South America, in Asia, to give in real life opportunities to those health transformers who may not be able to physically travel. So those are some of the challenges. I think they're not unique to startup health. I've been inspired by companies like GE or IBM or Amazon that are in 150 plus countries. Big corporations have figured it out. Then I'm sure that we can figure it out because I think the opportunity to speed up innovation is too great. For example, the real opportunity here by focusing globally goes beyond just finding great investments in different countries. I think that is is true and it always amazes me that other VCs have not spotted amazing opportunities. We just invested in this great company called Sammy in, in Brazil that I think investors from all over the world should be looking at. But the real opportunity is cross-pollinating the innovation and the learnings from different regions around the world. So mobile uh, innovation coming out of Finland with consumer business models coming out of India with med tech uh, and technology coming out of Israel, with 
capital structures coming out of Silicon Valley, you start to cross-pollinate the learnings from these different regions. And I believe the whole network of companies, the whole army, global army of companies can actually build better innovation and get to market uh, more effectively. Some things that have surprised me is how I've heard on the conference circuit for my whole career, basically, that how regional health care is, how regional health is. But what surprised me is health is one of the few things that's actually universal, right? It impacts all humans, it impacts all of us. We, we all need health and health care. So... There is also a great universality of what's truly needed. Yes, regulations are different. Yes, cost structures are different. Delivery mechanisms need to be different. So while there's this very fragmented reality globally, there's also, I think, a lot of opportunity to learn in a global sense and I, what surprised me is how, how rare that is to see anyone in the healthcare world or market thinking this way. We are seeing it in banking. We're seeing it in e-commerce. We're seeing it in internet. We're seeing it in industries from energy that are very global in their thinking. This is why you see the technology companies trying to deliver Wi-Fi access to the whole world or mobile phones to the whole world, banking infrastructure to the whole world. We're, we have not seen this in healthcare in any sense. Even within countries, it's very fragmented. So I would say the great opportunity of the coming decades is to be thinking globally about the healthcare market. I gave a speech at South by Southwest a few years ago called the $100 trillion market. And today it's about a 10 to $13 trillion global market, depending on what you factor into healthcare. It's about a $3 trillion market in the US. Extraordinarily large, but in a sense, I see a, a paradoxical opportunity to expand the market by driving costs down. By making healthcare universally affordable, by integrating health and well-being into the fabric of our lives globally and the infrastructure of our lives globally and bringing billions of people into the healthcare market. I see an opportunity to actually expand the business opportunities. So I think at scale... There's a huge economic opportunity here. And it's just surprised me that so few in any, anywhere are thinking about this global opportunity. So I, I think you're starting to see some of the large technology companies think this way. These now trillion dollar plus companies like Apple or Amazon, because if you're a $3 trillion company, there's only a couple ways to become a $5 trillion company or $6 trillion company. Again, this goes back to why I believe it's important to 
be thinking about innovation globally. I think we've seen the leapfrog effect work in other categories. If you look at a, a country like India or many countries around the world that didn't have landline infrastructures around telecommunications and leapfrogged just past that to mobile communications because they didn't have the legacy infrastructure, they were able to accelerate and just move past that. Here in, in the U.S., we have, you mentioned the High Tech Act, you, we've spent billions and billions of dollars on electronic medical records and these antiquated databases that quite honestly seem to be getting worse and not better and still not solving any of the real problems, thus causing you mentioned clinician burnout and other things that, that are, are causing all these other issues. I believe there's an opportunity to leapfrog past some of these challenges and not incrementally move forward, but radically move forward, transform, really transform where we are and learn in other regions, other markets around the world, how to do that and bring those concepts back to other parts of the world based off of those learnings. It's that going back to the beginning of the conversation, in some sense, things are moving slower than they should, but in other ways, they, there's the potential to move at exponential leaps forward because of the hard work that's been done over the past decades of laying the groundwork, laying the pipes, laying the infrastructure from which to, to grow and leap from. That almost sounded like a call to actions uh, to investors <laughs> to become more active. So let's talk a little bit about investments. If I counted uh, right, uh, five companies uh, that Startup Health invested in went public so far. 28 have been acquired. Can you maybe uh, talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I'm really excited about our company, Nightingale Health, for example, that went public on NASDAQ in, in Europe. This is a blood diagnostics company that is really extraordinary. And what I'm so excited about is they're just making all this progress in Europe and they haven't even expanded yet to other global markets like the, the U.S. Really extraordinary innovation from countries like Finland, where this company came out of. So then you look at, I'm also equally as excited about like our company Conversa, for example, which was a virtual care platform acquired by Amwell, American Well here in the US, which was already public. So you see how innovation can then plug into other companies to speed up distribution, to speed up really access in, in unique ways. I think the past decade, We've seen a lot of point solutions, a lot of features. <clears throat> and what I believe is happening now and we're starting to see is a great platform race where silos are breaking down, tools are being aligned, their services are being created that are much more holistic in, in nature. No one wants to go to 50 different apps. They want a more holistic solution when it comes to their care. That's on the clinician side as well as the patient side. What I'm excited to see is for many years, it was like, is there a market here? Is there an investment opportunity here? What's happening? And that has largely changed. 
There's billions of dollars that's coming into the health innovation landscape. We're now seeing commercial successes and we're seeing successes for investors as well in terms of exits. That's very significant because it then attracts further capital, which is needed to fund a new generation of innovation. Which is also why, based on the growth that we've seen in digital health investments in the last year, one of the questions that you get every year is, is, uh, you know, digital health a bubble? Um, you know, what, what's happening? So maybe just a word or two about the amount that's being invested in, in digital health. Um, every year, every quarter, um, experts in digital health uh, are eagerly expecting your reports about investments. And uh, if for 2021, you tracked uh, 44 billion uh, US dollars of investments, twice as much as the previous year. CB Insights even um, uh, cited or counted uh, higher uh, amounts of um, investment. So maybe can you just share a little bit uh, um, about how exactly does the tracking uh, look like? How do you um, get to these numbers? Yeah, <clears throat> so we tracked, we've been tracking the investment data globally for over a decade now. And when we started tracking, it was not even, it was less than $2 billion. And so a decade later, we're, as you mentioned, $44 billion. But interestingly, it's in about the same number of companies. So about less than a thousand companies received all of that capital. So where we see a big opportunity isn't just with billions more flooding into the market every year. It's with distribution out at the early stages to back some of these early stage companies. This is what we're doing at the seed stage and early stage. But what we've seen happen is a lot of later stage investment. In a sense, that makes sense because there's a maturing market. There's companies that are raising hundreds of millions of dollars. In fact, our portfolio company, Devoted Health, just raised a few months ago a $1.2 billion round in one round. SoftBank invested in our company CityBlock, which raised about a $400 million round. So we're seeing larger rounds go into later stage companies. What I think we should be thinking about is still keep our eye on the long-term nature of what it takes to build a successful health innovation company. This is not a one-year, two-year, three-year cycle. It is a decade-plus cycle. And to a certain extent, the venture model itself is challenging for the health market because venture funds are generally 10-year funds. They're 10-year cycles. So if you're investing at the seed stage or pre-seed stage, it could take three, four, five years to get them to the A or B stage. And from the A and B stage, it could be another seven to 14 years to really scale those companies. So I think we need to reframe and rethink the investment Thailands. I think we need to be investing in more companies at the early stage. There is still a tremendous gap at the pre-seed and seed stage market. And I'd like to see billions more go into that phase of, of the market because I think we would see a lot of more successful companies. And the third thing I would like to see more of is the global 
investment opportunity. We hear and see companies coming out of South America or throughout Europe or throughout Asia, throughout Africa that are not getting the funding that they deserve. And so we need to see a more global distribution because I think that will speed up innovation. I do think in the near term, we will see some of the valuations be looked at. And that's not so concerning to me because if you're thinking long-term, that's a temporary issue. If you're thinking long-term, valuation should be looked at in terms of a long-term sense, not a quarterly sense. And I think there's too much focus on the quarterly cycles rather than the 10-year cycles. Just to wrap up the discussion, is there anything that you would like to add in terms of what are you looking forward to in terms of digital health, uh, innovation, and um, just uh, evolution? I'd like to meet more health transformers, so email us or apply at startuphealth.com. We'd like to invest more globally and more internationally and meet those companies and health transformers. I think there's a really big opportunity with Web3 and blockchain. The media is focused on things like NFTs, art world, gaming, these kinds of things. And what I believe is we're going to start to see a tremendous series of use cases of what I would call meaningful innovation on the blockchain, NFT, smart contract, Web3, metaverse, virtual reality, AI, these types of things that aren't just about gaming or art markets or the fintech world, but actually way more sophisticated in terms of how we truly break down data silos, how we truly speed up uh, collaboration between pharma companies, for example, or health tech companies by sharing data in new, interesting ways, managing IP issues. I don't think anyone is really focusing their lens on innovation and developing these use cases. I would like, I've been guest lecturing at, at Berkeley and some classes around, around this. And I'm trying to inspire the students to be focusing not on the next board ape or game or what, whatever they're doing on with NFTs, but reframing to meaningful innovation. I would like to see a generation of innovation leveraging the amazing advances in technology that we're seeing that quite honestly are just tremendous. The, the sensors that are available, the blockchain technologies, the AI that is available, and re-leverage those innovations for health and well-being. You've been listening to Faces of Digital Health. If you enjoyed the show, do leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. Faces of Digital Health is a proud member of the Health Podcast Network. To learn more about the show, go to facesofdigitalhealth.com. Stay tuned.